G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, worker stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Today we look at some of the fallout for Australian workers during the COVID-19 pandemic. Some good and some not so good. We feature the work the Maritime Union of Australia has been doing to keep workers safe on the wharves. The outcome for migrant workers who were not included in the wage subsidy announcements and the action of JB Hi-Fire workers who under their union banner, RAFU, are demanding a safe workplace. Before we kick off with the local scene, just to put some perspective into the picture for those who feel that a pandemic has put us all in the we're all in it together boat, Amazon's Jeff Bezos has grown his fortune by $24 billion during this pandemic, but he can't afford to provide sick leave to all his employees. In a show of good sense, Denmark and Poland have refused to bail out with public money any company incorporated in a tax haven, while in New Zealand, the Prime Minister and the parliamentarians there have taken a 20% wages cut. Here in Australia, no sign of the Prime Minister taking a wage cut. Now, some union news. Under the cover of COVID-19, the Liberal National Party, Federal Government, announced last week changes to the Fair Work Regulations, allowing employers to change conditions and wages under an enterprise agreement, giving employees only 24 hours' notice before a vote instead of the required seven days, clearly restricting the access to advice and support from unions. So apparently what's happened is the regulations have been changed, which means that an employer who wants to change the terms of the EBA with his employees only has to give a day's notice, can call a meeting and uh, have people vote on those changes. As it stands at the moment, the Fair Work Act requires seven days notice before there can be a vote. In this change that uh, Christian Porter's bragging about, People will get one day's notice to vote on changes to the EBA. So you can imagine the sorts of warts that will go on with that sort of proposition being put out to employers. Here's your chance to get rid of all the conditions in the EBA because of coronavirus. They're still working, they're still making a quid. The cash flow is still there, but all sorts of warts will be uh, required by employers because oh dear, it's an opportunity, and they will take full advantage of it. So if there is any suggestion that there is going to be a meeting to talk, let alone vote, on your EBA, get in touch with your organiser, get in touch with the office, because it will be passed by a vote, and if the meeting is stacked, you know what the vote's going to be, and once it's changed, then what will happen is it will continue to change and the suggestion is that it might that change might continue right through till the agreement is replaced by a new one. They don't miss an opportunity, do they? To sink yeah. the boots into the workers. Any chance they can, you know, we're, we're helping keep the economy uh, moving and, and will help majorly in the recovery, but uh, they want to slip it into the, the workforce and the rank and file 
make them work cheaper and longer hours, etc., and uh, and turn the profits uh, bigger for for the companies that the uh, rank and file work for. The important thing uh, that uh, Warren just said is that if, if you are, if there is a proposal put by your employer uh, in terms of a change to your EBA, make sure you contact your union straight away so that we can make sure that we uh, we we hit the ground running and, and make sure that everything is done correctly and workers are voting uh, based off an educated decision rather than just chaos. And a cheerio therefore to the boys at Dynamic Closures who uh, had a proposition put to them and they rang the union and the matter was put to a very quick halt. Yeah, it can be, can be very easy, you just need to notify. In South Australia, Australian Services Union members at Uniting SA took action calling for special leave if a worker is unable to work due to COVID-19. Uniting SA responded and announced staff, including casuals, will have access to two weeks paid special leave if they contract coronavirus or are directed to self-isolate and are unable to work from home. Uniting SA is a leader in the South Australian community services sector's response to COVID-19 being one of the first organisations in South Australia to provide paid special leave to all workers, including casuals. In Western Australia, the Transport Workers Union reports a win for WA bus drivers who fought to secure guaranteed pay regardless of reductions in service. They have won their fight. In New South Wales, the United Services Union with the other two local government unions and the Employers Association, LGNSW, negotiated with the state government a local government COVID-19 splinter award 2020, which was approved by the New South Wales Industrial Relations Commission on April the 15th and is designed to protect thousands of local government jobs put at risk by the COVID-19 pandemic. The splinter award will apply for 12 months, requiring councils who sign up to the award to look for other suitable work for their staff whose usual jobs have been impacted by mandatory closures or other changes. Where this is not possible, council staff are entitled to up to four weeks of special leave at their normal pay rate to cover any period where no work can be provided, including if a staff member is required to self-isolate and then to be paid a weekly job retention allowance of $858.20 for a period of three months. Council staff can supplement that allowance from their accrued annual or long service leave, taking it up to their ordinary pay rate. The National Union of Students launched its hashtag Save Our Students campaign this week, saying the Commonwealth has introduced relief packages that support businesses while leaving thousands of students without income assistance, international students confused about their status in Australia and all students with serious concerns about the future of their studies. Education is a central pillar of the Australian economy. Not only does the education sector employ nearly 8% of Australian workers, it is our fourth largest export earner after coal iron ore and natural gas bringing in around 16 billion Australian dollars in 2013-14. But as one academic wrote recently, once the shit hits the fan, the government and the institutions are nowhere to be seen. The NUS 
hashtag Save Our Students campaign makes the following demands. A fix for Centrelink. Over one million workers are left out of the existing JobKeeper wage subsidy. Secure housing. Ensuring protections are in place for utility and maintenance bills. Fee reductions. Institutions must reduce fees by 20% to accommodate for reduction in the student learning experience. International student support. Financial alleviation must be granted to our international students, which will lift many out of dire living conditions. Visa support. All subclass 500 visas should be extended immediately for free. Fair assessment adjustment. Institutions must implement Alterations to testing student knowledge in a way that is equitable and does not impinge on privacy or security. Textbook accessibility. Textbook costs should be included within HECS and institutions must provide free assessment to e-books throughout 2020. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. The COVID-19 pandemic throws into relief how dependent Australia is on our ports. 98% of our imports come through the ports, so the health and well-being of the workers is key, especially during COVID-19. This is why the stoush that erupted at DP World in Melbourne in late March showed some of the tensions between employer profit and workers' concerns about health and community defence. Workfront workers in Melbourne and Henderson, Western Australia, refused work on health and safety grounds. They pointed out that there was a general 14-day quarantine on all arrivals to limit the spread of the virus, yet waterfront workers are expected to board ships to unlash cargo containers and handle freight even on ships which have not had 14 days since their last port. It was reported in March the 31st that DP World had stood down workers for refusing to unload a ship under these conditions. Down at West Swanson Dock, we have had uh, some uh, significant issues with regards to safety. Uh, second time uh, came just after Stage 3 was introduced by the Victorian government. So as we're getting escalating restrictions, we've still got employers pushing uh, wharfies up gangways into un- potentially unsafe areas. Um, uh, so uh, the guys down there decided that um, they didn't feel safe working the vessel. They thought that um, being forced up there with a uh, with set of gloves was not appropriate. Um, and, and they decided to offer to do any other work in the terminal uh, except work that vessel until it passed its quarantine period or other safety measures were put in place. Um, so that, that, that happened down uh, at uh, West Swanson Dock um, uh, early last week. But uh, it played out for a few days and then went through the media. And um, the guys down there who took the stand on regards to safety should be congratulated. Um, it should be reiterated to the public that they did not refuse to work, that they only wanted to work uh, the safe aspects of their job. They continued to move boxes uh, off the vessel that sat alongside um, the, the unsafe area uh, and they continued to put boxes on trucks. They, they kept the economy running. They kept the gateway open. Uh, they did amazing work. They just didn't want to risk their, their, their safety, their family's safety and the safety of the broader community. Um, it was great work done by them and it created uh, um, a national discussion uh, or a, a broad discussion in the public, uh, uh, even nationally, which um, has resulted in um, some more appropriate uh, recommendations coming out from the health department um, 
almost daily whilst uh, the vessel was alongside. We were getting updates and and um, and what we've seen now is a change in tune from the company. Uh, it, it's been a great win by the workforce down there. Uh, the company is now disinfecting the vessel before our members go on board, um, and that has flowed on to the terminal across the river. Uh, it's a great result for the guys um, down on the job, and uh, they should be congratulated because they have changed the national guidelines and the framework uh, simply by taking that stand and not allowing the company to stand over them and threaten their jobs. The issue was taken to the Fair Work Commission where safety procedures were put in place. While this issue in Melbourne was being played out in a serious break of worker-employer trust, Hutchinson at Port of Botany, Sydney, failed to inform workers of a COVID-19 case amongst workers, with the company taking six days to reveal the exact shifts worked by the positive worker, and only after the intervention of New South Wales Department of Health did they cooperate with the workforce and union in dealing with the potential impact of the virus in the terminal. Ultimately, there was a resulting cluster and about 50 workers needed to self-isolate. After a 10-day shutdown, workers at Hutchinson Ports, Australia's Sydney Terminal, returned to work with some of the most stringent COVID-19 measures in place to protect them and their families from the virus, the union reports. According to the union, the main lesson in all of this is that companies need to fully cooperate and include the union and workers in the process of COVID-19 contact tracing where incidents occur. You are listening to Stick Together, Workers' Stories, Union News, Social Justice Issues. When the wage subsidy was passed, it kept around 6 million workers still in paid work in the COVID-19 pandemic, but it ignored over 1 million others, including sessional teachers, carers, arts and entertainment workers, and many migrant workers and visa holders. I spoke to Matt Kunkel from the Migrant Workers Centre for a reaction to the disappointing news. Well, there was widespread disappointment from migrant workers about the government's decision to exclude them from any type of income support. Um, but that disappointment's now starting to turn to, I guess, concern that there's nothing really on the horizon for them, that there's no real jobs uh, available and there's no support from the government. And with rents to pay and you know food to put on the table, it's facing a really impossible situation. Many are seeking support from the community. So, you know, the communities are kind of pulling in around around them. Some are moving into different homes or, you know, joining new share houses. There's a lot of kind of in and out of activity between different, different homes at the moment. Um, really, people are just doing whatever they can to get by. And, you know, in some cases that's, you know, subsisting on the cheapest foods that they can get, skipping meals. We know that about half of the people that were surveyed by unions in South Wales were already skipping meals two weeks ago, so we can expect that that's probably much higher now. Um, really, the only thing that can be done is um, for the government to realise its mistakes and, and expand income support for all workers. As you know, the government said that people should just go home, but it's not an option for people. We know that this would cost just $25 billion to make sure that absolutely everyone in this country was protected had income support of some kind, and Josh Frydenberg can do that with the stroke of a pen. That's 1.1 million people, um, and there would be even more than that when we can take into consideration those who are undocumented or aren't in the formal sort of visa system. It's a pretty large number, Annie. Like, and we, you know, 
we can't just leave this many people out on a limb with um, with no no support. They pay taxes, but they don't receive any of the benefits of the social safety safety net. This country doesn't work without migrant workers. Temporary visa holders make up more than 10% of our workforce. They feed us. They pick food off. Uh, pick food at farms. They look after our elderly relatives. And and now is the time that we actually need to return return that and extend the hand of solidarity and look after them in their time of need. Now, uh, one of the announcements that the government made was uh, that uh, some migrant workers uh, would be allowed to pick crops in New South Wales. Now, the reason why I bring it up is that there's this very self-serving approach uh, by the Australian government. Everything is going through his employers. Workers are always at the... Uh, aren't, aren't really the focus of their policies. Uh, well, no surprise there. I mean, look at who's at the top. You've got Scott Morrison, who's no friend of the worker. Um, all of their money seems to be flowing straight to bosses, which is, you know, just, just the way that they operate. Just picking up on what you said about, um, you know, working holidaymakers picking fruit in, in the regions, what we know is happening out there is that there are a lot of people looking for, you know, some of the only types of jobs that are available to people in those circumstances, people going into the regions. But... You know, dodgy labour hire companies exploiting the fact that people are desperate for work to pushing down um, pushing down wages. So instead, you know, these people who pick food on the farms are providing a, a essential service for the country in, in any time of the year, but even more so now when, you know, we need to make sure everybody's got, got food to eat. It's the, the very same people who are left out in the cold by this government um, are now being, you know, even more heavily exploited in those areas. And it's just, it's really just not good enough. And the government can fix it, and they can fix it with a stroke of a pen. So it really is now just <clears throat> a decision for the, the Treasurer to make and for the Social Services Minister to make to make sure that there's no worker left behind in the country. You are listening to Stick Together, Workers' Stories, Union News, Social Justice Issues. Team Australia, with its preacher PM Morrison, may believe that the fountain of wisdom pours forth from the employers, despite reports already showing some employers refusing to pass on all of the JobKeeper pay to workers because of administration costs incurred. Some workers are defending their health with action. Workers at JB Hi-Fi Working together, have put forward a work plan to their bosses. I spoke to Josh Cullinan from their union, the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, for a comment on the situation. Yeah, that's right. So at JB Hi-Fi, our members started discussing the issues in store uh, and in particular the failure of the employer to make the workplaces safe um, in the middle of March. Um, and they approached uh, the union office about some of those concerns and asked what they could do. And we helped connect them with uh, JB Hi-Fi members from across the country. They developed their own uh, campaign and their own set of claims. We had um, underway a series of claims about not being, uh, not having to be at work and having safe workplaces and being paid um for uh, all retail and fast food workers. But JB Hi-Fi members developed their own um, set of claims, which were very simple. And that is that JB Hi-Fi close the stores, allow for online trade, um, if it's safe to do so, and pay all workers while they're not at work. 
Um, and so members developed those claims and then launched them. Um, and uh, so that was in uh, late March. Uh, and within a, a few days, uh, hundreds of people um, that work for JB Hi-Fi in their stores had already signed on to those claims. Um, and within the first day or so, uh, head office uh, contacted the union wanting to discuss the situation. And so what happened? Well, we know that JB Hi-Fi has a long history of not having union involvement. Ironically, JB Hi-Fi workers were some of the workers in Australia that weren't impacted by notorious SDA deals, which cut penalty rates. So for the last 10 20 years, JB Hi-Fi workers have had penalty rates and other conditions. Many retail and fast food workers had cut out from underneath them. But um, that said, JB Hi-Fi management, when they met with us, uh, just simply wouldn't deal uh, with those demands of workers. In fact, they acted surprised when we explained to them that the hand sanitizer was not effective against COVID. Um, and it had a tea tree oil base and a 10% alcohol base. And when one of our members contacted the manufacturer, the manufacturer was at pains to explain that it's not claiming to be effective against COVID. When that sort of stuff was said to senior management, they feigned surprise, but we're fairly confident they've known all along. Um, And then they just simply refused. And and we've seen this time and again um, from employers that they've just refused to act on the genuine health and safety concerns of workers. Um, And so members uh, escalated that campaign and we've had almost a thousand workers across JB Hi-Fi and the vast majority of stores, almost 200 stores have uh, signed on to that campaign. Um, They've been having regular Zoom meetings uh, with uh, 30 to 40 workers discussing the next stages of their campaign. Last Thursday, uh, the Zoom meeting decided that workers would call on customers to no longer shop in store because management is not providing a safe workplace and management can't be trusted to do anything about this. Um, And so uh, they've called on uh, customers to stop shopping at JB Hi-Fi. And then over the next week, we'll start um, working with members to figure out what the next stage of that campaign is. But as we've said to all our members, workers that have a reasonable concern of an imminent risk to their health or safety are entitled to refuse that work. So when workers launched their campaign and management reached out to us, we set a meeting with management to uh, discuss the concerns. At the same time, the SDA, fully aware of our campaign, reached out to senior management as well. Now, while we had workers from the shop floor in the meeting with senior management, of course, the SDA did not. And what it sounds like they've uh, been discussing with management is how they can work with management to keep these stores open. And so they they have weighed in heavily in the media and online, calling for these stores to remain open. And it's quite quite remarkable, again, directly against the interests of workers. We don't think they have many members at JB Hi-Fi because JB Hi-Fi doesn't recruit for them and doesn't um, process their payroll deduction fees as far as we know. Um, but uh, that hasn't stopped them weighing in heavily and offering themselves as the reasonable alternative voice for management. This is really fascinating because they're in lockstep with the federal government's push. Uh, is, that, is, that, is that something that you can talk to? Retail and fast food is in a little bit of a different position. Now, the SDA, no doubt, is in lockstep with the bosses and with the federal Liberal government 
in enabling bosses to attack workers' conditions. It's, it's what they do. Um, that said, our workplaces are either earning and um, earning less or uh, certainly not much more than the very minimum award. So we don't expect our workplaces to be running many new agreement changes because the workplaces already have been obliterated under SDA deals. Um, but those attacks by the federal government are no doubt supported by the SDA um, and will have a disastrous impact on properly unionised, democratically unionised workplaces um, in, other, in other sectors. Um, but certainly the SDA's call for workplaces to remain open when they are not safe to do so is in lockstep with this idea that um, parts of the economy can continue to operate as purportedly essential workers. Just your opinion, uh, the COVID-19 is a very serious uh, uh, affair, but instead of uh, dealing with it as a community issue, it would appear that certain sections of the of uh, our society believe that the economy is more important than society uh well there are large sections of society that place uh, well not not huge numbers of people but large parts of society that place uh, a, a very high value on their mansions in portsey and their golf clubs in uh in albert park that place a far higher value on those things than on the lives of working people. And so that's why people like the SDA and the federal government want to see these businesses remain open. They want to see workers put in harm's way because they just don't value the the lives of these workers. And we've seen that writ large at right now in America as McDonald's workers are thrown under the bus by the McDonald's Corporation and their licensees. It's no surprise that here, Coles was distributing for the last six weeks a hand sanitizer that was just not effective and has only following the expose in the media over the weekend has only just now announced that, oh, no, there's new health department advice. There's no new health department advice. It's been the same advice the the whole time. But these employers just don't value the lives of retail and fast food workers. They don't value the lives of workers full stop. Um, and they've only been motivated by profit. So that's no surprise for us that um, that there are parts of society in their portsy mansions and on their golf courses in the affluent suburbs um, that uh, have been calling for um, no either re- relaxed action or no action uh, when it comes to the safety of our members. That's it for Stick Together this week. Stick Together is made possible through the financial support of the Community Radio Foundation and we come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio station. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and on iTunes. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. And until next time, stick together.